Okay, so uh, if you weren't here last week, these are just some different, that's, so I went over three things last week. Oh wait, that's my notes. Um, so, I just went through uh, just a quick gospel outline that I put together. Let, um, I literally spent like 10 minutes on this. What I wanted to demonstrate to you was just that the frameworks we went over are just that. You don't have to be locked into it, right? Um, so this, this was just a gospel uh, outline that I put together um, that emphasized a couple of, of things that weren't emphasized in the, in the, in the um, frameworks we went over. Remember, the, when I say framework, you know what I'm talking about? So we talked about the three circles. That was one framework to share the gospel, right? Um, we talked about creation, fall, redemption, recreation, that pattern in the scriptures, right? That's a framework you can use. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. <clears throat> and then, uh, what was the other one we talked about? Oh, uh, God man or sin, Christ response, right? So those are just different ways to think through how do I present the gospel. <clears throat> so this was just a, another example. Uh, this one was just, uh, remember I said like each one of those phrases or ideas is kind of a pregnant idea and you could park there for a while, in particular if somebody had questions about it, right? So this one I just did some, I, I just call it meditations on God's justice. I just went through a whole bunch of different Bible books and pulled out some concepts that are in those books about God. Again, I put 10 minutes on this, not, not a ton of thought. I just wanted to demonstrate to you that you can create these, you know, these gospel conversations with people, and with a little preparation, you can really have a, a variety. So you're not always, you're not only, only ever thinking about like, well, I've got to present the Romans road. Or I've got to do it exactly this way. I've got to do evangelism explosion. I've got to, you know, et cetera, right? All those are great tools, but you don't want to be locked into one thing because the guy that you work with, he might not care about how evangelism explosion, evangelism explosion was a set of questions. It's actually the way I came to Christ, um, where you ask somebody, if you died today, are you certain you'd go to heaven? It's like, it, you know, and then, and then you kind of walk through some other questions. Um, <clears throat> So that's meditations on God's justice. And then this one was just a theme in this. This is what I spent most of last week on. Uh, a, a gospel theme in the scriptures that Westerners, or at least Americans, uh, don't think a lot about. And that is the theme of Christus Victor, which is Latin for Christ the Victor. In other words, he's the conquering king. He wins. Uh, we don't think in terms of like, throne and king, because we don't live in that kind of a country. We don't have a monarch. Um, but this is a theme that actually speaks to um, the heart of people in ways that, that they're longing to hear. They want to hear that somebody's going to conquer their enemies, right? And so that was this. So if, if you weren't here that last week and you want to grab those uh, at some point, those are up here. This week, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the last week formally in the series on evangelism training. Um, so I have to kind of, I've called it the wrap up just because it's the last week. I've got to do something to pull this together. So if you want to, you know, give you half. And, and, and would you mind passing that out to everybody on this side of the room? Just like the, your row and then everybody behind you. Okay? Okay. 
So, um, that's all last week's stuff. If you weren't here or you want it, you can grab it, but he's passing out stuff for, for this week. Um, Amen. Thanks, Russ. Um, did Mrs. Pollock get one? Okay, cool. And uh, is that the rest of them, Gavin? Right here. On the, could you take those and put them on the back, all, all the way up against the wall, just in case somebody comes um, comes in late? That way they. Oh, thanks, Matt. <clears throat> okay. So we talked about these different frameworks. Sorry, I only have a red marker. Hopefully, this works. Um, and we talked about this pattern we see in the scriptures of creation, fall, redemption, recreation. Okay? And, uh, <clears throat> and, and what I want us to take away from this, this is the big idea. As you're thinking about sharing the gospel with people using this as a framework, this is what I want you to think of. The Bible is full of this cycle. Why? Why is, why is the Bible full of a cycle where God makes a people, you know, and they're supposed to do what he calls them to do? They're supposed to fill the, fill the earth and, with, with God's image and glorify him and serve him, and they don't. They fail over and over again. The fall happens again and again, right? Why is that cycle in the Bible? That cycles in the Bible because the original fall, every time there's a redemption, recreation, it doesn't fix the problem. Every time it doesn't fix the problem. That's why the cycle continues. Okay? So I want you to keep that idea in your mind. Because as you do, as you talk to people about their experience with the effects of the fall, it's because... This cycle, not, not Christ, but Christ aside for a moment. I'm just meaning life in this world is a cycle of falling. Of not dealing with the problem of sin. Everybody that you know that isn't a Christian is locked into this cycle. They can't break themselves out of it. They're gonna continue, every new chance they get, they're going to fall. Doesn't matter if they, they, um, they start attending a church, right? And they feel like, you know, they're getting in touch with God. They're becoming more spiritual. Whatever their new chapter is, their, their second chance, it will not break them out of the cycle. Because all of these mini little cycles don't solve the problem of sin. Okay? Okay, so let's uh, open your Bibles. Let's, uh, let's see this cycle a few times so we get what we're talking about. <clears throat> also, oh, also, I, I put this little picture of the three circles on your handout. Did you ladies get a handout as you walked in? Okay. Um, so you see it right there, right? That's just, I, I just went on the internet and, and, and just grabbed somebody, you know, some Southern Baptist's, you know, hand-drawn uh, example of the three circles, okay? Um, <clears throat> and each one of these cycles is essentially, do you see this, the, the circle on the top right with the squiggly line in the middle? That symbolizes we live in a broken world, right? And do you see all those like squiggly arrows coming off that circle? Do you remember what that means? What that represents? That represents man's attempts at getting out of that broken world. 
but it's like a bungee cord. Every time they try, they get sprung right back into it. Uh, well, I'll get out of the problems of this broken world by good deeds. They can't, right? They can't overcome their sin by simply trying to do things, right? Oh, well, um, you know, uh, a, a lot of times uh, 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 Christ- good-meaning Christians will tell um, uh, unbelieving homosexuals that their problem is really they just need to get married. They just, they just need to get into a, heteros- a healthy heterosexual relationship and everything will be... If you read Christian books on this topic, you'll see it over and over again. It's really bad advice and it's not the gospel, right? And if you tell people that's their answer, now you take somebody that's got homosexual urges and they marry somebody because they're maybe guilted into it or whatever, right? And they marry uh, into a heterosexual uh, uh, relationship What's going to happen? They get, they get snapped right back into that broken world. It doesn't fix the problem. So what, so, so what we're doing here, I want, I want you to make a connection then between those little tiny arrows coming off the broken world and this cycle. Because remember I said, all these are, th- these are not wildly different concepts, right? These are frameworks that overlap and explain each other. So that's why I say you don't have to be locked into the three circles. You don't have to be locked into this. You don't have to be locked into God, sin, Christ, response. They're all essentially the same. They just come about it from a, a little bit different way. Okay? All right, so with that in mind, let's, let's look at these passages quickly. Um, so turn to Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> I need somebody to read 1, 22, and 28. We'll do that. Okay, thanks, Rachel. And then somebody else give me 3, 6, and then 3, 24. Who's that? Okay, Pam. All right. Soon as you're there, just go ahead. Okay. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. Okay. Who's, and who's talking? Who's he talking to? Adam and Eve. Yep. Adam. Right? So, creation mandate, right? What, what's the verbs? Bless them. Bless. Oh, what's he tell them to do? Oh, be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful. Multiply, what else? Fill the earth, right? If we read a little farther, we'd see like this idea of dominion, have dominion over the uh, animals, uh, over the creation. Okay, so that's, so we see this in Genesis 1, 22. What about the other verse in the same chapter, 28 or something? Yeah, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the Okay, there we go. Over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay. So, do, do Adam and Eve do that? Yes. Do they, are they fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion over it? Yes. Initially. Yeah. No. The, the serpent subdues them, right? And instead of uh, following their creation mandate to seek to fill the earth with God's glory, they seek to glorify themselves, right? So I'm not, you were running to, they had children later, but I'm saying like earlier on, right? So that's chapter three. Who was reading that, Pam? Um, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was delight to the eyes and 
that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Okay. So they violated the one command that God had given them for their protection, for their good, right? F- to help them do what he has called them to do. And then what's the other verse? He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim on a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Okay, so expelled them from his presence, right? Creation, fall. Now there's this need for redemption and recreation, right? Um, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 4 uh, and verse 1. Who will give me that one? And then somebody else give me 8. Who's 4-1? That's Carolyn. Who's 4-8? That's Matt. And somebody, Bobby, was that your hand? You give me uh, 4, 11, and 12. Okay. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. Okay, what does that sound like? She, she, she's, she's had a son. What does that sound like? It sounds like they're being fruitful and multiplying, right? So, okay, so restart. 4-1, okay, and uh, uh, so we've got a son born. Okay, what's the next verse? Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Wow. How many verses later? You, you, see, you see the cycle repeating? So, hey, it's, we got a new start, right? Even though we're outside of the garden, um, they're going to be fruitful and multiply. This is going to work out, except it doesn't. Uh, the, the first adult act is bad worship and then followed by murder, right? So, so, you, so you've got him slaying his brother, right? What's the other 11 and 12? And now you were cursed from the ground which has opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to your strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Expelled from God's presence, right? And cursed, right? Now, can you see how this is feeding into what a broken world looks like? So I'm trying to show you that these two things go together, Right? Okay, what about um, Genesis 4, 25 and 6? Who will give me that one? This is the audience participation portion of the program. There we go. Ruth, you're 4, 25 and 6. Who will give me 6, 5 through 7? Is that Kelly? Okay, and then who's 7, 21 to 23? Is that Courtney? All right, awesome. Go ahead, 4, 25 and 6. Oh, that's 24. Go to 25 and 6. Oh. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. So Seth also, a son, was born, and he called his name Enoch. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Whoa, that sounds pretty hopeful, doesn't it? a new son to replace the slain son. And what's more, what happens after that? People begin to call on the name of the Lord. Wow, this sounds like another restart, doesn't it? What was that, 425 and 6? Wow, that's pretty hopeful, right? New son. And actually calling 
on the Lord. Okay? And then what's more, if, if we're, I didn't tell you to read chapter 5, but chapter 5 is a genealogy, right? This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered his son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800, and he had other sons and daughters. And, and go, what are we seeing here? We're seeing a filling of the earth, right? So, so tack on chapter 5 here. This, this sounds really hopeful. This is a restart. This is a recreation. It's a, it's a new chapter, right? And then we get to... Six, five through seven. Things sound so great here. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. Okay, so what happened here? We've got, a, we, we've got a ramp up here, right? Because there, weren't, there was only two people here. There, there was only four people here, or five if you count a grandson, right? We got a lot of people by this point, right? So the genealogy, the, the earth is spread, right? It sounds like this is going on. But with the more people filling the earth, the more evil is filling the earth, so much so that God describes himself like a man. This is what's called an anthropomorphism. Okay, that's a $20 word. Anthropos is man, morph is change. To change like a man. Okay, anthropomorphism. So that we see this oftentimes in the Bible where God's trying to communicate some profound truth to us, but we're just creatures and we can't understand his mind. So he dumbs it down for us and explains himself like he was one of us, so we can catch it. So what are the ways in which God describes himself like a man here? He regrets. He's grieved. He can't believe he made man and they turned out like this. Now, God's not like a man. God knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't experience things in time like you and I. He doesn't regret. He doesn't wish he had done something different. He's explaining it that way so you get the impact of it. Right? So, evil, God's regret. I'm now not only going to expel them from my presence, I'm going to blot them out of existence. You see the cycle? This is what we're talking about. So, every time somebody says, Oh, I got a new son, no problem now, they get snapped back into the broken world. Right? Um, what, what about. Uh, Oh, I skipped the first one. But, or, or, or this last one now, you, you, you might actually see it like this. Like, oh, wow, all these people were filling the earth and people are calling on the name of the Lord, etc. Now it's going to be great. It's not going to be great. None of these cycles break, take care of the problem of sin. The problem of sin is what's, what's deep in the hearts of men. And so they can't break out of the cycle. You see? Um, what about, uh, so now the flood has happened, right? So what about now Genesis 9, 1 to 2? Who will read that one? You got that, Tom? And then somebody else get ready for 9, 20. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you 
shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground um, and earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all of the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. And the fishermen rejoice, right? Um, but what, is this, what, are the, what, is the, what do these verses sound like? It sounds like Genesis 1 again, doesn't it? I mean, the same language is used, right? What is Noah told to do? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And you even have the same description of the created order, right? The creeping things and the birds of the air and the fish in the sea and this language of dominion. Subdue the earth. And there's even a promise there. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon all of these beasts and fish and and birds, right? Right? Um, so you've got what? So what is this? It's another restart. It's another recreation, right? And uh, and it sounds great, right? Because especially when you put it together, go back to chapter six for a minute. After we read the verses five and um, uh, what is that? Five through seven. Um, he saw the great evil in the world. He, he regretted it. He's going to blot them out, right? And then you have this startling sentence in. 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Over against the backdrop of all that evil, right? Noah found favor, the same word for grace. Noah got grace, right? It's not that Noah was righteous and God recognized it and said, I won't kill him, I'll kill everybody else. Noah was righteous because God was gracious to him. Right? Same thing today. You're not righteous because you came up with it. God was gracious to you and made you righteous and is growing you in holiness, right? Um, so, uh, so again, you've got this, whoa, this is going to be great. God's shown his favor to Noah. He has this new little family. They've been spared from, from the worldwide flood. And now he, he issues the uh, original creation mandate, right? Well, Adam screwed it up. Right? His son screwed it up. The more men that came on, on the earth, they all screwed it up. Let's start over. Right? So you see the cycle. A new creation again. Right? And then, uh, and then what happened? Uh, uh, well, we, have, we could also go through the descendants. That's later in chapter 9. Right? But look at, at, at uh, 9.20. Did I assign anybody to that? Okay, so I'll read it. 9.20. Noah began to be a man of the soil... And he planted a vineyard. So far, so good. Right? Because the land's been cursed. Right? And, uh, and even with Cain, uh, God specifically said, it's going to be hard work for you. The land's cursed. But now we've got this restart, this refresh, this recreation. And Noah here is going to plant a vineyard. And that evokes images of God's blessing on his people. Over and over again in the Old Testament, we're going to get this language of blessing through, 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 through the, the, the fruit of the vine and, 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 and through uh, a land flowing with milk and honey and, and, and rich crops and things like that, right? So it sounds good. And then 21, he drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. Okay, now, think for a minute. We're pretty early on in the Bible. We're Genesis 9. Where have you seen this idea of somebody uh, being uncovered before? Adam and Eve, right? Specifically when? After they sinned, 
right? So nakedness in the Bible is akin to shame, shame for sin, right? That's why um, when you see uh, Israel go out uh, against their enemies uh, and, and, and God mocks the enemies like through a prophet, they might say something like, we're going to expose you and have your skirts over your head and things like that. It, this uncovering is shame for sin, right? So I'm 9, 1, and 2, right? It's 9.21 now. And all of a sudden, we've got fall. We've got drunkenness. We've got shame, right? And now the only people that can discover Noah in a drunken, you know, passed out, uh, 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 as a passed out drunk, naked, is his family. And that's exactly what happens. Look. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father. And what would you do? Just think for a minute. What would a righteous person do if they, I mean, it's a terrible thing to think about, right? But somebody that you admire, a parent, a mentor, etc., you see him in a shameful situation, naked for all to see, what would you do? You'd cover him, right? And what, is, what does his son do? He goes and tells his brothers. And because of that, as we, if, we, if we took the time to go through this passage, he gets cursed and all of his descendants, right? So, so, so we see the cycle continue. I mean, th- now think about the, as you think about the um, uh, contours of the Bible, if we were to, if I were to say to you, you can only list you pick a number, doesn't matter. Seven major events in the Bible. The flood's one of them, right? Everybody would pick the flood. Say, so take a minute, nobody look at anybody else's paper, brainstorm, come up with the seven big uh, events in the Bible. You're going to have what? Just rip off some. Re- okay, the Exodus. What else? The creation. The, uh, okay, the, that, I'll put that with the, with the Exodus. What'd you say? Creation. creation. So, creation, right? I think we'll say flood, right? The Exodus. So, so we're, I mean, we're flying through history, right? And we're just grabbing, my point is that one of the major events in the Bible is the flood and it didn't fix the problem. Okay, somebody said Exodus. That's a, that's a great segue, okay? So what about a new start? What, what, about, if, what about if God made a people where there was no people, and set his special affection and blessing on those people, right? Where do we see that happening? We see it happening at the Exodus, right? God delivers Israel out of Egyptian bondage. And then what's one of the first things that happen? Where do they arrive? And a special event happens. One of the major seven or eight or ten events of the Bible. After that, that's the deliverance. They're on the edge of the promised land. Before that. 40 years of the wilderness. Before that. Crossing the Red Sea. Mount Sinai, where God comes down. Right? So, so, so God descends upon the mountain establishes a covenant with this people and gives them the terms of the covenant in the tablets and says, I will be your God and you will be my people and I have a land that I'm going to deliver you to. 
It was foreshadowed in Abraham, right? But we skipped that one. That was a pretty major event. Um, but, uh, but here we've got God creating a people for His own namesake, for His glory. He's going he's gonna to hand victories to His people. You don't have to be afraid of giant warrior nations, the Rephidim and all the rest. Right? You're going to go in there. Just go in. I'm going to hand you these cities, these fortified cities. March around. Do goofy things. It doesn't matter. The walls are going to fall. I'm going to give it to you. Right? That sounds like a new start, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like a recreation? Well, Adam didn't fill the earth. I'm going to fill the earth out of the barren Abraham and Sarah. It's going to take a long time. But by the time we get to Exodus 1, there are millions of, of, uh, of Israelites, but they're enslaved. God births them out of slavery into a nation, says, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm going to make this special covenant with you. And here are the terms of the covenant. I'm going to bless you, right? If you'll obey, if you'll do what I tell you to do. If you go into the land and do what? Be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over it, right? And what do they do? Well, what, say that again. I said they were afraid and they didn't go. That's right. That's right. But so, so Kelly just said, they sent scouts into the land, and the scouts came back and went, ooh, those are scary people, and none of them went in. And you know what happened to all those people, save just a few? They died in the wilderness. Numbers uh, 32, 13, I wrote it down for you there, says as much. It says it very plainly. Right? And the message of Deuteronomy, the yet another new cycle, God speaking through Moses to who? The next generation, the second generation out of Egypt. Because the first generation died in the wilderness. Now you've got this new generation. And what's the message of Deuteronomy? Don't do what your fathers did. Go in faith. Believe me. Do what I tell you to do. It's a fresh page. It's a new start. Don't die in the wilderness like they did. Right? And what ends up happening to nation Israel? Like, fast forward. What ends up happening? Are they still being fruitful and multiplying and enjoying the promised land today? They, no, that's right. They went into exile for their idolatry. So, uh, so we see this cycle again and again and again. And so, friends, I would also urge you to think about um, the place that nation Israel has in your mind in the terms of redemption history. We're not going back to nation Israel as God's promised people. That's not, that's not the arc of the biblical narrative. I'm going to talk about that today in the birth of the church from Acts 2 and from the pulpit. Okay? The point is that as great of a blessing, as great of a recreation as nation Israel was, out of nothing, out of thin air, out of old people that were too old to, to have kids, that couldn't have kids in the first place, Right? As great as that was, as great as the conquest of the land and, 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 and all of that. And, 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 and you could think through like the, 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 the kingship and the, and the priesthood and, and, the, and the worship uh, that God established and, and, and all the things he baked into the calendar of Israel so they wouldn't forget. They did forget. They failed. It didn't, why didn't it not work? Why didn't it work? Why didn't, why didn't, why didn't Israel do what Adam didn't? Fill the earth with God's glory because of the problem of sin. It doesn't take care of the problem 
of sin. That's why everybody today continues to live in a broken world. And even if you were to say, well, I'm a Jew. I'm, I'm a member. I'm, I mean, I can, if you could, like I could trace my family tree back to Judah, right? Or whoever, right? It doesn't matter. Because try as hard as you might, even by glorying in your lineage, right? It doesn't get you out of this broken world. So the cycle continues. And what does all of that set us up for? It sets us up for somebody coming that could break the cycle. That all of these other cycles pointed to. It it, it helps you read the New Testament. So, for example, for example, um, Jesus is likened to the new Adam. Right? Where do you see that in the scriptures? Can you think of a place? Yeah, Galatians, Romans makes that argument, right? right? Just as sin came into the world through one man, so too righteousness and salvation comes through another. Right? That's my paraphrase. Okay? So Jesus is the, the new Adam, right? Um, and uh, and he's, he also, Matthew makes, the, the, the Gospel of Matthew that we spent two years in, makes this point abundantly clear. That, that there is a new era in redemption history. When I say redemption history, do you know what I mean by that? It's not complicated. It's the history of God redeeming a people. It's the history of God saving. right? So when I say redemption history, we've been talking about redemption history. All these recreations, all these redemptions and recreations, right? This is the history of God redeeming, saving a people from sin, right? to only see them fail in their own efforts to try to break out of it, right? So in the history of redemption, the coming of Christ was the new era. It was a new era in redemption history. The new covenant that he brought about made the old covenant obsolete. The old covenant that couldn't save anybody, the old covenant meaning the law, right? The new covenant that was promised in the prophets Right in, in, in places like Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Second Chronicles, right, uh, is promised in the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus, right. So Jesus then established. Remember all those images at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. Remember when he, when Jesus was teaching on the sermon on uh, the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, at the Sermon on the Mount. Where do you remember the scene? What, where was he? He was on a what? He was on the mount. What does that sound like? Sounds like Moses on Mount Sinai. Moses came down and, and, and gave law and the people were terrified. We've got a completely different picture of Jesus sitting on a hillside with the disciples at his feet and him promising them a life of freedom and grace. Right? So, so, so all of these... So I'm, I'm trying to get, give you lots and lots of ammunition. Right? So as you talk to people, maybe this stuff comes up. Or maybe you've got a history buff on your hands that loves history. You want to know something cool about history? Human history actually is cyclical. I know we think of it linearly. Is that an adverb? I don't know. We think of it in a linear fashion, just timeline unrelated to each other. But it actually is this 
this, this timeline of cycles that's happening that look a lot like each other. Let me give you a couple of examples. And, I, you know, I'm just scratching the surface. The whole Bible's full of these cycles. Read the book of Judges and see the cycle over and over and over and over again, every chapter. You know what that, you know what that book looks like? The people hate God and live in the way they want to live, Right? And then they get in trouble because an enemy attacks them. And then what, God, what does God do? He sends a judge. A judge, not a judge like today we think of a judge at a bench in a courtroom. A judge in those days was a deliverer. One who saves, a rescuer. Right? So he would send, he would raise up a judge and send him and have that judge um, uh, redeem them from their enemies. New start. Recreation. Fresh page. And what happens? Immediately they plunge back into evil, forget the Lord, do what's right in their own eyes. Only to need another judge. And again, and again, and again we see the cycle. Right? Um, what, about, what, what about if they get a king? If they get a king, surely, not just a temporary judge in a regional way, but a, a king who unites. Won't that fix the problem? Well, Saul certainly doesn't fix the problem. And neither, friends, does David. And as great as the expansion and wealth and fame of Israel under Solomon, that doesn't fix the problem either. We'll only see the nation split after that. Right? So my point is, I I, I want you to see that the Bible is your tool in evangelism. This framework really helps. It helps you to understand how the Bible hangs together in the first place. But it also helps you to show people who don't know God the cycle. The cycle, incidentally, that they're in. And and so, you know, now you can go to these three circles if you want. So, do you want to go back to God's original plan where people flourish and, and, and the earth is filled with His glory? And people are happy in the Lord and and don't deal with all this this brokenness? Well, that requires repentant faith in Jesus who came. Who lived a a life perfect, free of all of these markers of brokenness. And then died in the place of all who sinned and made this world broke. Right? And uh, so you're off and running. You've got, I hope, lots and lots of different ways just from today to to share the gospel. But don't get locked into any one. I want you to see, be prepared. Don't just hope that you'll know what to say. Okay? Be prepared. Do, uh, read your Bibles. Think through how, th- strategize. How am I going to speak to my neighbor, my coworker, my cousin, my whoever? Right? Have a plan. Don't get locked into it. It's a conversation. They, they may have questions that have nothing to do with your pre-planned little package. God's with you in this. He, he knows all of that in your preparation. So, but make a plan. There's lots and lots of resources in the scriptures and that other you know, guys have created these little frameworks to help you, but don't get locked into any one particular one. Okay, yeah, Pierre. Um, I want to also add that the fact that this cycle rules that shouldn't believe anybody who comes who, who thinks that there is a way out. Oh, yeah. Besides that solution. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great question. So, so, so let's say you come into contact with somebody that's a pros- prosperity gospel guy. Health and wealth. 
right? Oh, you need to li live your best life now, Tom. If you just have faith, all these problems go away. Does that sound like the cycles we see in the Bible? It doesn't. It sounds like a lie. And it's exactly that. Right? That's great. Thanks for bringing that up. Um, okay, so I just have like 60 seconds now of these final three points on your sheet. Cultivate compassion for people who don't deserve compassion. That's oftentimes a hurdle. You see somebody and you judge their lifestyle and you go, they're not good enough for the gospel. You might not say that out loud, but friends, if, you, if that's in your heart, that is so anti-gospel. And I just put there, you know, as our, as our pattern, right? While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies, God loved us in Christ, right? Romans 5 there. And, uh, <clears throat> and then uh, just, a, just another example, I was looking in 1 Thessalonians for something else and my eyes fell on this verse. Paul, talking about the Thessalonian believers, says, you turn from idols to serve the living and true God. That means they were idol worshipers when Paul went and preached the gospel to them. That's weird. That's anti-God people. God, God's wrathful towards those kind of people, isn't he? He is, just like he was wrathful toward you before you came to Christ. Right, so cultivate a heart of compassion for people who are lost and have it wrong and are trying to snap themselves out of this broken world but can't. Okay? All right, next. Cultivate compassion even for those who are concerned over or traumatized over things you don't care about or have no experience with. Okay? So I, just, I was just trying to think through some category-shifting ideas, okay? 1 Thessalonians 2.7, Paul says, We were gentle among you, you idol worshipers, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. That's a divine work. You need to pray that God will change your heart to have a heart of compassion towards people that live in a way that maybe repulses you, right? So that you could be desire, so desirous for them that you would be willing not only to share the gospel with them, but to give your very lives to them. Friends, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that in a man. So pray to that end. Later in that same letter, he says, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Right? That's universal language now. Okay. So what are some concerns people have that you don't? I just wrote down some things. You could come up with a hundred things. The death of a pet. Now, before I was a dog owner, a little more than a year ago, I must confess to you that when somebody says their pet died, I didn't do it literally but there was an eye roll going on. It was like, oh, good grief, come on. There's so much more important things in this world. And now I'm telling you, I would fall down and cry like a little baby if one of those puppies died, okay? My point is, is, is just simply saying this. People are broken over things you're not broken over. Don't be so prideful to think that your way of living and reacting in this world is the only way. There's other concerns out there. People are really, really concerned for the environment. You might not give two wits about the environment, okay? 
what, what was my third one to have down there? Um, oh, what about this? What about somebody who comes out as a homosexual and is expelled from their family? Now, I'm not saying embrace homosexuality. That's not my point. My point is saying that's somebody that's experiencing the effects of sin, of living in a broken world, who's traumatized. Does our gospel have anything to say to people like that? It does. It does. Giving them other kinds of advice won't break them out of the cycle. Telling them to not be a homosexual won't break them out of the cycle. But repentant faith in Christ will. Right? So we've, we've, we've got we've to cultivate this compassion for people even when it's as, what they're going through is so foreign to us. You know, I just, made, I, I just wrote some other things, like uh, uh, somebody that went through abuse as a child, uh, uh, somebody that, that uh, was abandoned or, or experienced drug addiction. I don't have experience with any of those things, but lots and lots of people that I come in contact have, right? Okay, and then finally, I just say this. This is my final parting word. We're five minutes over, not too terribly bad as a wrap-up. With all of these tools, and as I was writing that sentence, I thought, oh, also Christianity Explored, right? Evangelistic study through Mark's gospel. We own copies of the DVD and the workbooks. You can do a study in your own home. Sue Stumbo did it. We did a few here, and Sue Stumbo did one in her neighborhood, okay? So with all of these tools available to you, all these different frameworks, right? Just do something. Just do something. Take a chance, Trust God and go share the gospel, friends. I mean, prepare, pray for God's aid, but then go. Go do something. Step out in faith. If you don't share the gospel with your neighbor, who's gonna? And the consequences are grave if you don't. You have something, sir? I just want to say that I am... This is, I know we don't have a lot of time, and I'm not going to elaborate, but I am Mm. We've used our kids' activities, the parents as our mission field, mm. and we've reached a couple parents really well lately. That's great. And Praise God. Yeah, God be praised. It's cool, and it's just, it's really neat timing. I mean, we're always trying to share the gospel, but yeah. lately it's been on a trip, and at a mm-hmm. camping trip, to baseball day. Yeah. yeah. They're really questioning and excited and want to know things, and yeah. it's totally the Holy Spirit. It's God. Like, He's just. Yeah. Working it out. That's great. In these ways, through our kids' activity, parents. Yeah. That's, yeah. It happens everywhere, and they want to know more. Yeah, that's wonderful. They do at the time. Like it's, it's really cool. So this timing has been really neat for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you just did what my last sentence is. <laughs> Bring other people into what's going on. Tell people, testify to God's faithfulness in your in your gospel, in the sharing of your gospel. Ask people to pray. Right? And testify. You know, test, tell people. Make yourself accountable. So now we know what's going on in your lives and we can ask, how's it going? And pray for you. Right? So um, I trust this has been a, a help to you. I hope it unlocked some maybe doors that felt closed to you before. Um, they're all um, recorded. They're online. If you missed one, you, you want to go back and review. Uh, I know last week wasn't, isn't up yet because Dan left that to me to upload. <laughs> So when he comes back, uh, he'll upload today's and, and last week's. But um, yeah, 
So, uh, and uh, I read the text, um, and I'm glad you guys are, are okay, my friend. Um, Lord's uh, really protecting you guys from a lot of uh, uh, dangerous things. So, um, let's see. Uh, Rich, would you close us in prayer today?